Welcome to episode one of Hippos at the Waterhole, Tiptoe Hippos podcast about algorithmic trading. In this episode, we are going to go through the very sorry tale of the collapse of long-term management. So what we want to do in this series is look at actual failures of money management and risk management in real world situations, how they came about and what lessons we can take as traders from these historical financial, I guess you'd call them disasters. So let's start off with what exactly was long-term capital management? Well, it was founded in the mid nineties in 1994 by John W. Merriweather. He was a former vice chairman and head of bond trading at the Selman brothers. Now the hedge fund aimed to take advantage of different pricing discrepancies that they found in the bond market. And they used mathematical models to identify these uh, pricing discrepancies. And from its inception, LTCM set high expectations because within their ranks, they had amassed a vast array of intellectual talent. Now, most notably of LTCM's partners were Mayan S. Scholes and Robert C. Merton. Now, they were jointly awarded the 1997 Nobel Prize in Economics for a new method to determine the value of derivatives. So this work that they actually undertook formed the backbone of LTCM's trading strategy. And the presence of these renowned scholars not only bolstered the firm's credibility in the market, but also symbolized its cutting edge approach to financial trading. Because in the early 90s, highly mathematical, computer-driven analysis of the market just wasn't really too much of a thing. And long-term capital management were one of the first to really take this idea of using mathematics and statistics and find trading strategies uh, to the fore. And so what they did with the maths largely worked around finding arbitrage between different prices over different uh, instruments. And so what they were looking at is price differences in different markets or different forms of the same financial instruments. In this case, they were using bonds. Now, the firm was also needing to use a high amount of leverage because oftentimes these price discrepancies that they were finding were quite small. And so to make money out of quite small discrepancies, they needed to take rather large positions. How large? Well, at their peak, LTCM was managing over 125 billion in assets. Now that high leverage meant that they had 125 billion in asset positions, but the equity base was only 5 billion. So that is a leverage ratio of five to five to one. No, it's a leverage ratio of over 25 to one. So these guys were using almost retail level leverage 
on billion dollars of assets. And this is in the early 90s where a billion dollars was worth more than it is now. So this had them being a significant influence in the financial industry, not only because of the size, but the amount of assets they held because of this leverage. And they were that large that they could actually impact these market prices when they took their positions. And so LTCM was a behemoth. It was a titan, and it wasn't just a titan in the sense of Wall Street finance. It was a titan in academia academia as well because of the people involved in it and the, the PhDs and the Nobel Prize winners and these type of people that were working with them. And so they were the darlings of the early 90s. And their main strategy was something known as convergence trading. And so the idea of con- convergence trading is they find a discrepancy where two prices that they believe should be uh, the same or very similar, but they've gone apart. They take bets on them to um, with the idea that then those two prices will come back together and they will converge and they will they make money off that convergence back to the theoretically statistically calculated correct values now as mentioned earlier oftentimes these um, convergences involve quite small price differences and that therefore that's why ltcm used the leverage of 25 to 1 because they just needed a huge amount of positions to make profits from these small price differences they were finding. And as anyone can tell you who's had even a monicum of experience in trading, that leverage is a double-edged sword. So when it's used wisely, it can enhance your profits because you can take larger positions than your underlying equity would allow you to. But when things go awry, it amplifies the losses just as it amplifies the costs. And LTCM, to get this profits that they were getting, were using leverage as high as 25 to 1. So for every $1 that LTCM had, they were borrowing another $25 to invest. And that's how they got their massive portfolio. But, and here's the kicker, you also have 25 times the risk. So the fund's high-risk strategy was underpinned by these complex mathematical models. And these models were predicted using historical market data that assumed that the market conditions that were relatively stable in the past and that they could be predicted in the past would continue into the future. And these same patterns they found would continue to occur. And so they were making huge bets on the expectation that these minor price differences that they'd identified would continue to converge and correct themselves over time. However, these models, as sophisticated as they were and made by smart economic modeling, economic Nobel Prize winning Brainiacs couldn't account for the risk of a rare but high impact event. So the models didn't factor in the risk of a market moving sharply in an unexpected direction or the market becoming far more volatile than had it been in the past. 
And these scenarios, if they came to bear, could result in substantial losses for the fund because the convergences that they identify don't actually close up again. They remain apart for the long term or even go further apart against what they'd found occurred historically on the data. Now, the first thing that LTCM had to go against them was the Asian financial crisis, which occurred in 1997. And that brought market volatility uh, that the LTCM's models hadn't anticipated. However, the fund managed to weather the storm. Uh, it did reduce their profits, but they managed to overall survive that encounter with markets that they hadn't previously um, built their models on or expected to occur. However, the following year, something happened that caused the bond markets even more of a shock and caused them to fundamentally change in a way that the historical data showed, uh, the historical data didn't show. And of course, when LTCM's modeling is done on historical data, they can't see these big shocks that were coming to the system. And in August 1998, the big shock did come and it was the Russian government. It defaulted on its domestic debt and declared a moratorium on paying its international creditors. So basically, the Russian government defaulted on its debt obligations and said it couldn't pay back international creditors. Now, this had a huge impact on global financial markets. Interest rates around the world spiked as bond prices um, fell, and there was a flight to quality where the investors moved away from risky investments to safer, more secure options. Now, this market shift was the exact opposite of what the LTCM's models had predicted, leading to substantial losses. Now, if we have a think about what situation happened here, they went through the Asian financial crisis to begin with, and they did manage to survive that. However, post the Asian financial crisis, their models predicted that the bond markets would come back together towards, in inverted commas, normality, as it had been before the Asian financial crisis. So there had already been a flight to quality out of the Asian tigers, and this led to a pricing, a pricing difference between various different government bonds on the bond market, and the LTCM's models expected the... Uh, lower quality government bonds to converge in price with the more stable government bonds over time. And this Russian government default stopped that from occurring and in fact made the low quality government bonds move further away in their pricing to the high quality government bonds. So a month after the Russian government defaulted, these losses on that was the fund was seeing were so severe 
that they'd run out of equity. And then given how much leverage LTCM's operations were carrying with the $125 billion worth of position with only $5 billion equity, this posed a massive problem, not just for LTCM's future, but actually the whole global financial markets. And when it became clear that the uh, long-term capital management was going to collapse, the Federal Reserve had to jump in because if they had collapsed and their positions had to be liquidated, this would have just made for an even wider market disruption because it would have increased those bond differentials even more, dropped the price of bonds as they flooded the market and caused interest rates around the world to spike because of the drop in bond prices. And so the Federal Reserve orchestrated a $3.6 billion bailout uh, that was made up of a consortium of 14 different financial institutions that recognised that they didn't want the bond price to collapse because they were themselves holding bonds. And then that could then, the collapse in the bond price could then flow on to their institutions if these huge amount of bonds that bond trades that were being held uh, were liquidated. And so a rescue package was designed and it did do its job in preventing a broader financial market meltdown. But of course, despite the intervention, the uh, damage to LTCM was irreparable. All that the rescue package did was stop those positions being liquidated immediately. Um, Instead, the rescue package allowed those positions to be liquidated over the course of the next 18 months to two years in a more orderly fashion so that it didn't cause a massive collapse in the bond markets. And so by the early 2000s, all the positions had been liquidated and LTCM ceased to exist. And so fundamentally at its core, there was two problems with LCTM. There was over leveraging where they were taking a position 25 times their equity. And when a retail trader does it and blows their account, the only person that it really affects is themselves. But in LTCM's case, that was so big, it actually had a potentially disastrous consequences for the whole world economy of this over-leveraging. And so when retail traders over-leverage, it's foolish. So how some company with the best financial minds of the time or claim to be can over-leverage and cause such a risk to the whole financial sector is staggering. And then the second problem that uh, LTCM had was not so much that their shock to the system occurred that sent them down, but the fact they didn't recognize that the models were built on historical data that might not reoccur in the future. Markets are constantly changing. And so when long-term capital management had 
design these models. They design them on low volatility, um, highly predictable markets. And once those, those two situations did not occur, the mathematical models broke down and they had then no real method or plan to exit positions and control their losses. They kind of just, their long-term part of capital management was just let's hold the positions and hope they come back and we see the convergence. But as the uh, divergence between the different bond prices continued, they just kept holding their positions until they ran out of equity. And so there was over leveraging, there was a lack of foresight in overfitting their models, and there was no stop losses. Three things that every trader in be it a retail or as these guys were apparently the, the very echelon of trading should know. These models were meticulously designed based on the stable and predictable markets. And this is what we need to remember as algorithmic traders. They were designed around a particular bit of market edge that they found and they expected this edge to continue. However, all ELGO models will fall short when confronted with events, unpredictable occurrences with severe consequences that the overfitted models cannot cope with. And the fact that the LTCM's models couldn't cope with them. And in addition, the lack of any stop loss mechanisms meant that the over leverage just was dramatically devastating to them and the whole market as a whole. Now, we can take our own lessons from this. A sophisticated trading strategy backed by intellectual prowess of Nobel Prize winning levels could not save LTCM when it was confronted by unforeseen market conditions. So it is the number one thing that all algorithmic traders or any traders for that matter need to take into account is risk and robustness of systems because focusing on maximizing return will lead to disaster. It is the importance of cautious risk management and robustness testing of your models, especially when dealing with complex financial trading instruments that's important. It's testament to the old adage that higher rewards come with higher risk. And so if we are going to pursue oversized profits, we must acknowledge that there is going to be oversized risk involved in those profits. And we must understand these risks and mitigate them to our best potential. 
LTCM's downfall was rooted in the fund's over-reliance on overfitted models, and it couldn't account for a new unpredictable and unstable market condition that they hadn't seen before. With the high level of leverage and it and it's amplified losses when those conditions materialized. So, I mean, I'm banging on about it now, but it comes back to we all must have robust and a strict risk management strategy, one that both can adapt to market situations, but also effectively manage these unexpected events that have stop losses so that when a disaster happens in the market, it doesn't crash ourselves out of the market itself. We will remain in the market ready for when the market returns to better trading conditions for us. So any strategy that you come across that promises high returns is likely to also have the mirrored substantial loss, especially if the risks aren't properly understood. We'll go in in the future in other weeks into sort of identifying these um, risks that might not seem immediately obvious. But the main one that happened here was overfitting. And because it was early stages in the 90s of mathematical modeling, I think they might have just overlooked that problem. Um, And this is one of the major contributing factors why algorithmic traders nowadays spend so much time ensuring that their models aren't overfit and are robust. And just as an aside to that, if you visit uh, tiptoehippo.com and you go to our research section, you can find a white paper that has all our robustness research in it. It goes through the major different mathematical methods of testing a strategy to make sure that it isn't overfit and it can deal with market situations that it has not seen before and hopefully can deal with them better than LTCMs did. So what we are when we talk, when we teach our mentorees uh, or even just talk to you in any one of our forums is about risk, risk, risk. Like our philosophy is built on understanding that the money that you're trading, it's either your hard-earned money or it's someone who's trusted you with your hard-earned money. It's your blood, sweat and tears. It's your labor. It's your dreams of your future. So don't just throw it away. You need to really make sure that it's protected. And when developing your systems, you need to have a risk management approach that prioritizes the safety and and security of that balance. Above all else, there's no point risking huge profits if there's a good chance that the the, uh, downside risk is gonna wipe out your account. And so to have long-term success in trading, you need robust tested strategies that minimize risk 
and weather unpredictable market conditions. You test them on these market conditions that are unseen. You use Monte Carlo methods to make sure that they can deal with unpredictable markets. And so that's what you need to do when you're creating systems. When you've got a system that looks profitable, you need to peer behind it. You need to statistically test it to make sure that the system that you think is so profitable and has found a market edge has actually found a market edge. It can survive different market conditions. And if it finds different market conditions, it doesn't crash. So that's the lessons that we all can take from LTCM. And then we will join you again next week where we'll go through another tale of poor risk management with the demise of Bearings Bank. So I look forward to talking to you all next week about Bearings Bank. But until then, Happy developing and even more green pips in your trading. Goodbye for now.